Welcome to the House of Blues. Today we're going to follow two brothers. From the time they were born, it was a bad sign. It was a bad sign. It created a lot of havoc in their lives. You've all been to the grocery store and seen the sign, Damaged Goods. Know what I'm talking about? I mean, these great deals on, on something that's been damaged. So... You could get like a uh, dented can of sardines and mustard or a box of cornmeal and it's been knocked around a bit and so uh, part of the mix is missing but you get a good deal on it. A bottle of uh, dishwashing liquid that's um, leaked all over, kind of gnarly, you know, but you get a deal. You get a deal. Then there's uh, stuff that, um, well, it wouldn't sell. You know, things like uh, jalapeno strawberry cake mix. Mm-mm. Mint-flavored tuna. Yeah. Those are both things I've bought, by the way. <laughs> so, But, but it's, stuff's damaged. It didn't measure up. It just didn't measure up. And we live in a world that is damaged. It's all around us. In fact, we are all damaged goods. We all live in the damaged good department and we want out. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the, the animals and scripture says, so God created the large sea creatures, every type of creature that swims around in the water, every type of flying bird. God saw that they were good and God blessed them. Find God creating humanity. And after he finished creating it, said, So God created humans in his image. In the image of God he created, then he created them male and female. God blessed them. And then we're told God rested on the seventh day. And apparently God loved that day so much that scripture says that God blessed the seventh day and set it apart as holy. It was to be a day of blessing. And I get the sense when I read through the book of Genesis and I read the creation story that God created. That God made everything because God wanted to bless something. God wanted someone to bless. And I believe every time that God blesses us, it is a gift of grace. The word uh, bless and blessing, it's used 400 times in the Old Testament. And so you get the sense early on that God loves to bless. You know, when God created human beings in, in his image, God created them so he could bless them. And he created them so that they would be a blessing. In fact, it gets definition early in the book of Genesis, Genesis 12 God's talking to Abraham here. It says, I will make you a great nation, and I will, what? Bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. See, you get the idea early on that the blessing begins with God. God creates it. God gives it. And then that blessing flows through you and me. But it's not supposed to stop there. 
You know, as, as a, the blessing comes through Abraham, as God blesses your life and mine, what we are to do is to share that blessing with the entire earth. And here's the problem as I see it, is when it comes to blessings, we're pretty self-centered. We, we focus on how to enhance our blessings. You know, I, I want to accumulate blessings. I want to secure blessings. You know, I want to be blessed, but then it kind of stops there. And friends, God designed you so that he could bless you, so that you could be a blessing. God's design is really for human beings to kind of be a, a conduit of that blessing and to bless a damaged world. But sin, sin kind of disrupted all of this. And as a result, when you look at this world, I think we're blessing-starved. We are blessing-starved people that feel like damaged goods. And we live apart from the blessing. You know, we've been in this series, House of Blues, uh, been looking at the life of Joseph. And what I want to do today is I want to backtrack. I want to backtrack a generation. I want to talk about Joseph's father, Jacob. I want to talk about the House of Blues that Jacob grew up in. Because it really comes out in the story of Joseph. No, it's a story that's full of intrigue, deceit, betrayal, pain. And there are a lot of bad signs in that house. And it all centered around a blessing, a blessing. You know, this whole story, it just, when when you nail it down and you get to the center of it, it's around a blessing, all right? Blessing was a big deal in those days. Uh, it was a birthright. Um, it was a rite of passage for, for children. And dad would determine when he would give that blessing. Uh, it was spiritually grounded. And it pointed to the possibilities in the future. So Isaac and Rebecca, they're the parents of these twin boys, Esau and Jacob. Esau... He's kind of the outdoors type, all right? He liked to hunt. He liked to fish. Jacob, well, Jacob was more domestic. He liked the great indoors, okay? Esau, he enjoyed filleting fish. I'm going to guess that Jacob was more like Bobby Flay, all right? He was a killer in the kitchen. Scripture says this, Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating wild game. Esau brought brought home, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Friends, when I read that, that is packed full of pain. It's packed full of, of hurt. I mean, that one sentence right there, That one sentence would lead to a battle between these two boys. And they're fighting for a blessing. 
You know, dad loves Esau more. Mom loves Jacob. Now, it's not surprising. These two boys didn't get along. In fact, from the time they could crawl, I'm going to guess there were bad signs in this house. Because these boys are fighting for something. You know, one day, uh, Jacob, he's in the kitchen. He's doing what he normally does. He's cooking. He's cooking some stew. Esau comes in from a hunting trip. He's hungry. He smells the stew. Jacob, are you making stew? Man, that smells great. Can I have some? Jacob's, yeah, I'll give you some stew. If you give me your birthright, if you give me that blessing. And so these two boys fight, okay? I figure they're teenagers at this point. Finally, Esau's like, I am dying of hunger. You know, I'm going to die, and if I die, what good's a birthright anyway? So, sure, you can have my birthright. Give me the stew. And I know you're thinking, really? You're going to trade your birthright for a bowl of stew. But it's not any stew, okay? Diddy more. Hearty beef stew. Mm. I mean, it's so thick, you could eat it with a fork, but no, 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 no. You're going to eat it with a spoon, because why? You want to get every bite. And Esau, from that first bite, battle breaks. I mean, these boys are both in the damaged good department. And it becomes a battle for that blessing. As boys, they would fight. And as men, they would fight over that blessing. Isaac, he gets older. He's feeble at this point. He decides it's time to bless his children. Esau was the oldest, okay? He was born first. He was to get the first blessing. He was to get what they call the blessing plus. In other words, what it meant was he would be blessed first and he would receive a little bit more inheritance at that point. But he also, at that point, was expected to step into dad's shoes, start becoming the decision maker for the household. Esau, okay, he's supposed to get that first blessing. Isaac sends him out to hunt for some game. He says, we're going to have a feast, and then I'm going to bestow the blessing on you. Now, there's only one problem. Mom was listening in. Mom overheard the discussion. Remember who mom's favorite was? It's Jacob. And she initiates a plan. She's going to get Jacob to fool his father. So while Esau's out hunting, mom whips up some stew. There's something with the stew in it. (laughs) And she's going to get Jacob to pretend to be Esau. You think, well, how how are they going to fool dad? I mean, she's going to fool dad so that Jacob can receive the blessing. But how how do you do that? Well, one thing you've got to understand, Isaac... Isaac can't see anymore. He's blind. We, we don't know. Maybe old age. Maybe cataracts. 
But because he can't see, the boys are very, very different. You got Esau. Esau's the outdoor type. I'm going to guess he was muscular. We know he was hairy. Scripture says he was covered with hair. Kind of leathery. You know, he probably ran around without his shirt a lot as a kid. Jacob's more domestic. He's, you know, clean fingernails, smooth skin, because he stayed inside all the time. So what Jacob does, and his mom's plan is, he puts leather, or, or maybe there were tanned hides over his arms, and he brings the stew into his father. He pretends to be Esau. But Isaac isn't convinced of it. He's like, you, you sound more like my son Jacob. He says, come here so I can touch you. See, he, he knew he could tell the difference by, by feeling it. Sure enough, he felt him. His skin's leathery. It's hairy. And so dad eats the stew and he blesses Jacob. Jacob cruises. Esau comes flying in the door. He returns. Now, think about this. Esau has been waiting his entire life for the blessing. Hey, Dad, I'm back. Who are you? I'm your oldest son, Esau. And the two figure out at that point that they've been had. Scripture says this, Genesis 27, 34 says, when Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud cry, a bitter cry. Well, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. For whatever reason, Esau never receives a blessing. And I believe as I read this story that it had to do with the blessing. It had very, very little to do with inheritance. Inheritance wasn't the issue here. For him, it was the blessing. Esau wanted to be blessed by his father. Esau wanted a blessing that was meant for him. And I believe that all children long for their parents' blessing. This is a a very sad story if you follow it all the way through because both these boys, Jacob and Esau, would struggle most of their life. Esau tries all kinds of things to gain his dad's approval, to get that blessing. He even gets married several times trying to find a a woman that will please his father, that that he's married, and it just doesn't work. And Jacob, after dad blessed him, he ran away from home. He was afraid his brother was going to kill him. And so Jacob... I mean, he would go on and be wealthy, very, very powerful. But if you read the story, he never gets what he really wanted. And that's the blessing of his father's love and approval. And this family ends up devastated by kind of mishandling the blessing. And that's what I want to talk about today. How do you, how do you bless your children? How do you bless your children if you're not a parent you still can bless kids. They're all around you. I believe the foundations that we're going to talk about are, are very similar, whether you're a grandparent or maybe a teacher or a coach, maybe just a neighbor. That God has uniquely placed you in position to, to bless children. 
And uh, it's a little bit like uh, growing a flower, I think, that you've got to have the right elements, right, to grow flower. And if you have the right elements, then you get a pretty good shot at, at that flower developing. You need some sun, you need some light, you need some good soil, and hopefully you've got enough nutrients and things that it'll grow, right? Well, the same thing's true with kids. I mean, so how do we bless them? And we're going to kind of work through our story because I think there's some great hints in this story. Isaac, he's going to bless his son. He asks him to come close so that he could touch him. Uh, Later uh, in Genesis, it says, Then Isaac said, Come close, son, and kiss me. He came close and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his clothes. Finally, he blessed him. See, I believe if you want to bless your kids, one of the, the things that you have to do is you've got, to, you've got to hug them. You've got to touch them. You've got to love them. You've got to hold hands with them. You've got to sit close to them. And it's important. I mean, it's just important. I was reading an uh, interview Marilyn Monroe. They said Marilyn Monroe, she was being interviewed, and the interviewer knew Marilyn's background. And she knew that Marilyn had been shuffled from one foster home to another, to another, to another through her, her whole childhood. And the interviewer asked Marilyn, said, Marilyn, all those years, all those years that you stayed with all those families, did you ever feel loved? And I said that Marilyn teared up immediately. And she said once, once when I was seven or eight, that I was sitting on the bed watching the mother put on makeup. And she was kind of in a good mood that day. And she reached out with a rouge puff, and she patted me on the cheek. She said, at that moment, that one time, I really felt loved. And they said she couldn't continue the interview. She, she walked off because she was so overwhelmed. And I think, Why? Why? Why Why a touch that lasted a second or two? All those years ago. Why? Why so much power? Well, that little girl parched, starved for affection. And that touch, I believe, just poured buckets of love into a life that needed it. That touch said, I I see you. I I notice you. You matter to me. And I have watched something uh, very diabolical in our society because in kind of response to good touch, bad touch, and I understand all that stuff, and I understand teaching safety, but I have watched society, I've watched parents go way over here. Because we're going to fix that. Really? Hug your kids. Dads, hug your kids. Love your kids. Hug your sons. Hug your daughters. You know, yes, yes, they, they change through the years. They go through awkward stages. You have to work at it to make it happen. Sometimes it's difficult. I mean, I remember eighth grade, and I was kind of hitting that age where too cool, you know. Parents dropped me off a couple blocks from the school, that kind of stuff. But I remember after my graduation, 
I could see my mom and dad coming down the aisle. And inside, I'm like, they got their arms all over me. My mom's kissing me. And, you know, outside, I'm like, my friends, my friends, this is awful. I mean, that's what I was saying, outside. But inside, I'd say my parents love me. Hug your kids, hug your kids, show them affection. It is a way to say, I love you. You also have to say it. You have to say it. You have to put it in words. You know, Proverbs 18.21 says, words kill. Words give life. They either poison, they're either poison or fruit you choose. You have the ability with your voice to, to make your child feel special, to give life, or you have the ability to poison their life and to tear them down. And I, I wonder, I mean, what kind of words do you say on a regular basis to your kids? Do they hear things like, you're important, you're valuable, you can do it, I know you can do it. I am so proud of you. I love you. I know you made a mistake, but I love you anyway. And you'll, be, you'll do better next time. These are the kind of words that should naturally roll off your tongue. They should happen. And, and I want to be clear about something because, you know, we're, we're an age of extremes, I, I'm convinced. But I am not talking about some new age parenting style that's out there that, you know, parents, they take a lot of pride. And they go, I'm never going to discipline my kids. You know, I'm only going to say nice things to my kids. If they're doing something wrong, I'm going to say, you know what? We're not going to critique you, honey. We're not going to call you in to check about it. Uh, You know, the fact that you did something wrong, that's fine. It's your choice. That's not what I'm talking about. In fact, I'll tell you, that does not bless your children. And it does not play well in the long haul. And it is not parenting. I don't know what it is, but it's not parenting. Parenting means sometimes you have to discipline. Sometimes you need to draw those lines. You need to teach them values. It means helping them figure out what they're really good at and the things that they struggle with. It means showing them that they're fearfully and wonderfully made, that God has a plan for their life. And it's making absolutely clear to them that they are important to you. You know, I know there are a lot of reasons why, as parents, we, we don't share that blessing. We don't put it into word. Part of it is we're, we're not sure what to say. Uh, it's uncomfortable. It's awkward. It doesn't just naturally flow. And I know also that for some, you buy into the idea, well, I don't need to say it. My kids know it. Do not believe that for a moment. Do not believe that for a moment. You've got to say it. You've got to say it over and over and over. You have to remind them over and over and over. You've got to say it. You know, there, there is a, a thief in our world. And that is, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Families are overscheduled. Parents are, are working overtime. They're working two jobs. They're running here and there. they got their kids doing everything under the sun. In fact, so much so that they're worn out. They, they're just passing each other. And what happens is time erodes away. 
it just goes away. In fact, a family night or time together makes an appearance about as often as Haley's Comet, you know? And just because you're together, that is not enough. You know, for instance, taking the kids to the park. That's, that's fine and dandy. But if you take the kids to the park, and then, Dad, you're over there practicing the chipping, you know, or we're talking on the phone the whole time, doesn't qualify. Because you're not talking and you're not connecting. Do not fool yourself for a moment. If you read the story, Isaac, uh, he gathers his son close. And he proceeds to, to say a blessing to him. And it starts out kind of odd. Uh, he's like, uh, the smell of my son is like the smell of the open country blessed by God. How'd you like your dad to tell you that? Son, you smell. <laughs> you know, smell like the great outdoors. Well, Isaac goes on and he speaks about the future for his sons, his hopes and dreams for, for them. But, but it's interesting because that in that day, that was getting at a compliment and that was getting at the blessing. But you read through the Old Testament and so many times as fathers were bestowing the blessing on, on their children, they would use like everyday objects to kind of bring it out. So Jacob, after he would grow up and realize how important the blessing was, Jacob would sit with each of his kids as he got older. Judah, you're like a lion cub. You're strong. You're powerful. You're a leader. And he grew up to be that. Naphtali, you're, you're a doe. You're graceful. You're fast. You're beautiful. Joseph, you're, you're like a vine. Joseph, you, you produce, you provide for those around you. And he did. I mean, it's kind of strange, but amazingly, those names, those identities, they, they carried them through as they grew up to be young men and young women. And I wonder, what, what kind of picture are you painting What kind of picture are you planting in your children? Are you giving them a special future? Notice I didn't say specific, right? Special. Some parents want to paint a specific future for their kids. It's kind of like the woman that had twins. She's pushing them around church one day. Someone goes, oh, what are their names? Well, this is Tommy the doctor and John the engineer. That's not what we're talking about. Help your children get their voice. Help them be who they are created to be. Help them be who they are inside. I mean, maybe maybe you have a child that has a very sensitive heart. And so you regularly say, you know what? God can use you. God can use you to make a difference in other people's lives. I know that about you. Or you see certain characteristics and you're like, you know what? You are a great helper. You are smart. You can figure things out. Let God use you. You know, you're a great leader. I see it in you. You're always leading things. Maybe someday you could lead a a business or maybe this country. You know, you're extremely creative. Use that creativity to make this world a better place, to lighten people's hearts. 
Speak to your child. Speak to their heart. Not specific, but special. And I want to say something to families that have decided what that specific future is for your kid. I want to tell you, you'll lose the battle. You will lose the battle because most children will have the strength to move outside of whatever it is that you are commanding them to do. They just will. You know, you say, you're going to go into this profession. You can't marry them. I will not give you my approval. And I'll tell you, you will lose the the battle. You will lose it. I mean, you win the war. Every lonely holiday that you do not bless your child. Bless them, bless them, bless them. Say it. Speak to their heart. Commit yourself to it. Commit yourself to it. Commit yourself. Use your time and your talents and your energies and your resources to help them be who God created them to be. And I'm not talking about uh, kid-centric families. All right? That's families that everything revolves around the children. You know, what the kids want, what the kids decide, what the kids want to watch on TV, what the kids decide we're going to do today. That's not healthy. That's not healthy. But what I am talking about is doing everything you can to help free your child up so that they can succeed in life, so that they can make it on their own as adults, so that they can live God-honoring lives, which means you better be instilling God values in them. I mean, how do you do that? Well, I think one thing, you have to know your children. You know, Aristotle, he said, you, you have a far greater chance of hitting the target if you can see it. Do you, do you see your children? Do you know your kids' dreams? Are, are you helping them dream? Are you helping them see possibilities for their future? Are you helping them recognize the options? Do you know what's hurting your kid the most today? Do you know what's bothering them? Do you know what they're afraid of? Do you know what they're looking forward to? Do do you know what they want to be when they grow up? According to their age, that could change like every week, right? I mean, especially when when they're little. Man, they're all over the place. But do you have any idea? Because if you don't, you have no way of helping them. You've got to nurture it. You've got to nurture it. I remember when my girls were little, uh, Alicia, she was about maybe 12 at the time. And for two years, all I heard from her was she wanted to be this oceanographer. And, I mean, she's glued to Discovery Channel. You'd have to pry her away. She was always reading about whales and dolphins and things. And she would tell me stuff about them, some very interesting, some things I just didn't want to know. But Cindy and I would listen to her. And we would laugh. And we would ask a lot of questions. And we just nurtured it. Just nurtured it. Uh, One summer... uh, uh, we went on uh, vacation, and she got certified so she could scuba dive. And we, we spent the whole spring prior to that doing practice stuff in the pool and working through our written work so that she could take the, the test. And it was an exciting time. It was new horizons in our house. And, it, and if you could have seen her eyes when she was certified, actually, if you could have seen mine, 
Because I'm thinking, i got somebody to dive with now. I mean, what a thrill. No, she didn't become an oceanographer. But she had the opportunity to explore it. She was able to rule it out. I think that fall, midway through school, she announced that she was going to be a nurse. She didn't do that either. But here's what I'm saying. Get interested in what your kids are interested in. Proverbs 15.30 says, Bright eyes cheer the heart. If your eyes light up when your child is interested in something... It speaks to their heart. Help them figure it out. Help them rule things out. Help them explore the possibilities in that area. Get out of your comfort zone, friends. Get out of your comfort zone and get into your child's comfort zone. You know, are you listening? Are you looking? Are you interested? And there's one more piece, and that is balance. You need balance. You know, unfortunately... I get a uh, perspective as a pastor with families. And sometimes you got families, and what they do, they bestow lots of blessings on one child. They bless them and bless them and bless them and bless them. And then one child? Nothing. It's a struggle. You know, one child is very pleasing and easy to deal with. The other one, they're difficult at times. They're challenged. They, they push. They push back. One child's interested in what you're interested in. And the other one, mm, not so much. Isaac connected with Esau. In other words, Isaac was into the things that Esau was into. And they connected. And that's fine. Okay? That wasn't the problem. The problem was Isaac loved him more. That was the issue. Isaac was not getting interested in the things that Jacob was interested in. That was the issue. And I find it strange because when Jacob would grow up and he would raise his children, he repeats the same mistake with his kids. He shows favoritism to Joseph. And it almost tore the family apart. It did for a while. Parents, moms, dads, grandparents, bless all your children. Love them. Let them all know it. Say it. Do it. Commit yourself to it. Work at it and work at it again. Spread the blessings around evenly. Okay? They come in different forms because kids are all different. But spread it around and be consistent. You know, be a, be a parent uh, of your word. You know, follow through. Follow through is vital with children. It is vital. You know, for instance, if you tell your children, hey, we're going to go to the circus this year. And every year for like 10 years, we're going to go to the circus this year, but you don't. Well, first of all, let me tell you, your kids figured it out the first year that you were lying. But if you do that for about 10 years, in their little minds, they start going, hmm, mom and dad said they're going to take me to the circus, but they've never taken me to the circus. Mom and dad have been telling me for 10 years that I'm very talented at this. 
Maybe they're not being straight with me on that one either. Be consistent. Be consistent. And I know as I've been talking this morning that some of you, you, you've grown up. You may be 60, 70, 80 years old. But you never received the parental blessing. And you've tried everything you can think of. You've tried performing. You've tried setting records. You've tried proving yourself. You've tried everything you can think of to please them. In fact, some of you are still trying. And it's just not working. And some of you, you went the other direction. You just gave up on it. You know, you ran. You did anything you could think of that might hurt, might show them. And some of you just suffer silently. Maybe your parents withheld the blessing from you. Maybe they did it intentionally. Probably not. I mean, maybe their parent withheld the blessing from them. And that's really all they know how to do. You know, and what I want to say to you is that, you know what? Your Heavenly Father, God says you're important. God says you're special. You're fearfully. You're wonderfully made. You are loved and loved so much that God said, you know what? I'm going to send my son to die for you. That's how much love God has for you. If you're a parent here today, and maybe you didn't receive that blessing, it should provide you with motivation. It should remind you how vitally important it is, how that blessing drives us. And it ought to drive you. It ought to press you. It ought to help you break the cycle and bless your children. And you know what? You bless the next generation and the next and the next when you do that. The parental blessing, it's powerful. It's powerful. Parents, start today. Not tomorrow, today. You know, if, if your kids are, are already grown, I know many of you have raised, raised your children, you know, tell them, pick up the phone, give them a call, catch them at lunch, and maybe it's the first time that they're going to hear it from you, but do it. Maybe you haven't talked for years, do it anyway. You know, pick it up and just say, you know what, I am sorry, I never told you this, but I'm proud of, and whatever. You can find something. Just do it and bless them, set them free. Many of you had parents that blessed you big time. I would challenge you, pick up the telephone today, catch them, and say, you know what, Dad? never told you this, but I am so thankful because I knew that you blessed me. And you tell them how it is. But just take that step. Seemed appropriate today with Father's Day. I was walking around the church this morning and I marvel at, uh, we just got some incredible dads here. Just incredible dads. And you are blessing your children. And 
God has uniquely placed you in that position. and It makes me proud as a pastor. And we just want to pray for, for our dads this morning. I, I would ask whether your kids are grown, uh, they're still in the nest, uh, maybe you're doing the grandparent thing, maybe, maybe there's a kid that's kind of a surrogate, uh, uh, you're a parent to them by default because they're across the street and don't have a dad. I want you to stand up, guys, and we're going to pray for you right now. God has put you in a position to not just change your kids' lives, but to change their children and their children and their children. And I pray today that God gives you wisdom and strength and helps you be the men He created you to be in, specifically the fathers. I'm looking across here. You guys are all different stages. And, um, but the thing I've figured out is till we take our last breath on this planet, we're always dads, aren't we? And um, those that have lost their fathers, still the imprint in it, still there. It's powerful. Let's bow and pray, pray for all these men right now. Our holy God, I thank you for each and every one of these men that stand. God, you created fearfully, wonderfully. You knew that we would be standing here at this moment, this day. And God, I pray that you would give us vision, that you would give us strength, that you would break our hearts. So we'd take whatever steps need to be taken, that we'd be sensitive to our children's hearts. And God, none of us are perfect. We've all made mistakes. God, help us to see those things, to be willing to acknowledge those and to try and change those. God, help us to be the men, the fathers you've created us to be. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.